What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Adjusting a Life. It's your boy Marcus with the squad, with the crew, and we're back with another episode. And I'm telling you, this one is going to be one that you do not want to miss. I just want to start off though by asking, how's you guys day been today, Danny? Well, I don't know my name was Guys Danny, but um, my day's been pretty good so far. Um, you know, just got out this morning at 5.30 in the morning. It was beautiful, you know, nice and dark out. Um, and I got to woke up to seeing John's beautiful face drinking coffee <laughs> as usual. Um, but no, I mean, my day's been pretty good. You know, I'm looking forward to next week and all the tests that we have and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just it's middle of the quarter, baby. Let's get it going. How about you, Ken? I had a little bit of a late start to my day. I had to take care of some personal issues, but overall, it's a good day. I'm happy to be here and, you know, I'm excited. So, what about you, Jan? Well, you know, as always, seeing Danny's face in the morning bridles my day. Uh, but now, just getting, you know, getting ready with ortho, getting the shoulder, elbow, hand, wrist, studying every night. So, what about you, Carlos? Well, my morning start great. I had a test from 9 to 10. I mean, yeah, from 10 to 11. And basically, yeah, I did great. It was it was pretty good. How about you? Um, yeah, uh, week's going good. Just been studying, studying, and preparing for Oscars. So that's pretty much my life at this point. What about you, Marcus? I appreciate you asking because a lot of times y'all already know on um, during this podcast they don't never ask about my day. So appreciate you, Alex. Oh, my day has you. been going um very very good. I didn't mean to cut you off by the way, but my day has been going very very good. Uh, woke up this morning, felt actually better than what I felt yesterday um it was you know it just was it just was a great day over like overall right now and so I hope it doesn't get any worse because right now I don't even feel like it can get any better I, I just feel great but today I just want to go ahead and let you guys know we have a very very special guest on with us today he is actually one of our professors and when I tell you he's a great professor I actually mean that I just want to um, bring to you today Dr. Eric Parada, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me. So, I, I actually have a question for you I wanted to start off with. Um, I wanted to kind of direct it towards uh, the cervical spine and talking about talking about extensive dental work. And so, um, we, was in, we was actually in class the other day and I was actually paying attention and <laughs> we were talking about that and you said you've seen more patients that has um, extensive dental work um, have a lot more cervical issues. I wanted you to kind of explain that for me. Sure. Um, just from experience and seeing x-rays after x-rays from the practices that I was involved in South Carolina to now coming back and teaching and actually teaching x-ray analysis, I even see more films. And just in a room of, let's say, 18 students, we put up, you know, People were working in groups of two. We had at least nine x-rays up. And out of those nine x-rays, eight of them had, you could see extensive dental work, whether it was fillings or brackets or, you know, history of dentures. And all, all of those eight cervical spines had complete loss of lordosis. We saw extensive disdegeneration. And I've seen that kind of across the board. And, you know, I haven't come across the research study proving maybe X equals Y. But why do we see all these cervical films with the loss of cervical curve and we see an extensive dental history? Students that, um, you know, young patients that have been in braces for more than two years, you know, the x-rays just really showed a correlation. And talking to more dentists in the area, 
you know, that's something that they were interested in and we were able to develop good partnerships to try to educate that small community down in South Carolina. That's very interesting that you say that. Um, actually, in our, in our neurology club that we have on campus, we talk a lot about our proprioceptive input from our jaw into the brain and how that tells you where your where your jaw as well as your neck and your teeth are in space so i was wondering do you see maybe any positive results with adjusting somebody who has maybe a tmj as well as like some other dental work done in helping with their cervical curve and some of the pains and stuff that they might be suffering through yeah good good, good question um what i typically see as Upper cervical spine subluxation associate a lot with TMJ issues as well. You know, my thought process, it's never just one thing leading to another. You know, when we look at the cervical spine and the head and neck as a whole, you know, we can take proprioception coming from the teeth, coming from our jaw muscles, coming from, you know, even our lower spine having an effect to those areas. So I personally take a broad view and try to pinpoint and see certain areas that may be fixated or correlated together and try to help them for that patient. Now, patient to patient, some of those treatments look similar. So most of the time when we see that upper cervical subluxation, TMJ was, was involved. I don't know if that was just that area, that patient, but I did see a correlation there. But we can't neglect that so much of our society has that forward head posture and loss of cervical curve. And those lower cervical subluxations, upper thoracic subluxations can be just as important as looking at TMJ in the upper cervical spine. Awesome, awesome, thank you. My, kind of to follow into that question, um, I also wanted to ask about with, when it comes to practicing in different areas I know that in Florida, we have like, for example, a lot of dental offices. So that's something that you might see a lot of, or like here in Georgia, it's more of, you might be more in of a rural area or, you know, you go to like, let's say like the Carolinas and you have, you know, you're still kind of on that coastline. So there's a lot of different, um, how would I say this? The, the demographic of people could be very different and the jobs that they have could be different. So is there like a difference in how you would market to those people? Is there an office dynamic that uh, you would say would work better towards those people? Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess the best way to put it is know the sandbox that you're playing in. You know, growing up, you wanted to be in a certain area during recess. Same thing when you're building your office. You need to know what environment you're setting your office up in. Um, South Carolina, where we were, was a big tourist area. You have to be willing to accept tourists in the summer, you know, because a lot of the people that are permanently there prior to the summer, they're snowbirds. They may go somewhere else in that summer and you get a different patient population. If you're not willing to adapt to that, you know, the summer months, you're going to make zero money. Mm. When we look at the environment of Florida right now, we see a ton of integrated practices or PI clinics. Um, it's because the state laws are different down there. They have $10,000 of PIP insurance with car accidents. That has made a spread of personal injury offices in Florida. That looks different to where we are here in the Atlanta area. There's a chiropractor, you know, every half mile, if not closer together. What is going to separate you different from the other offices there? So if you're a student, you know, my thought process is first decide where you want to live. You know, yes, you're going to be devoting a lot of time to your office, but that one day or two days that you have off during the week, 
Where do you want to live? Where do you want to raise your family? Where do you want to have fun? Because you need that escape. You can't just be grinding 100% and think you're going to sustain a long, healthy practice. You need balance. Um, outside of that, once you determine the area you want to live in, what is the chiropractic or what is the medical model surrounding that area? You look at the northern states, it's a heavily more medical-minded area compared to where we are here in the southeast. You need to know those windows so that you set yourself up to be successful. I just wanted to say something that you uh, actually said in class the other day when we was talking. Um, it's more of a statement, not really a question. Um, when you had said it's not, you know, it's not that hard to sit down and actually, you know, go talk to a dentist or and actually take them out the out the dinner and actually you end up building that relationship to be able to talk uh, talk amongst each other and kind of figure out the issues that's going on with you know extensive dental work or anything like that after like after effects or you know you guys to send each other patients and so I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to say thank you for that because I it definitely it definitely put like a like a blueprint in my head and kind of gave me another direction like to go with um, not just speaking to uh, speaking to other docs, but speaking to dentists, uh, you know, dentists as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point. You gotta realize they're just people like us. They went through some of the same classes we went through. They had some of the same experiences and they're dealing with the same issues. They're dealing with insurance issues just as we are. They're dealing with how do they best serve their patients in a busy busy environment so by off by just you know coming to common ground let's just go to lunch together and just talk you know you can just build such good referral networks and just make make it more fun to practice in the area that you live I kind of want to bounce off of Marcus a little bit and uh, he said that what, what about the statement that he heard in class uh, you also told us a really powerful story in class and some of us heard it and some of us haven't. And that, that story was really, uh, you know, mind opening and just something that you wouldn't see on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, uh, it's a crazy case in, in a sense because you, you weren't aware of the situation and if you could go and just a little, explain a little bit about that story. Sure, it, you know, it comes down to kind of my big chiropractic score I guess or you know how we always hear you don't choose chiropractic chiropractic chooses you and I, I look at my journey and it's just you know it's such a God you know send story of how I got to life and became a chiropractor I was pre-med and that was you know my path and I decided towards the end of Penn State that you know I my philosophy and my heart just wasn't in it and my cousins married into a family that were chiropractors and then um, her husband was was in school here at life and I just caught that fire and passion and was like maybe this is what I was missing during that time of graduating Penn State um, I started to develop some symptoms and you know yes I had a strong history of concussions from playing ice hockey so you know I could see the tie of where some depression started setting in from that because I never had it prior to my severe concussion senior year of high school. So, you know, not getting the chiropractic to my mid-20s, I was only being treated um, in the medical profession and started, you know, antidepressants and stuff like that, but it didn't make anything better. And slowly those symptoms started getting worse. Um, you know, it led to 
sleeping disturbances where I could be up three days at a time and not feel any difference or I could be passed out in the middle of the day in class and you know really hard to wake up um, started changing my mood behavior my relationships and really became somebody that I wasn't and continuing in the medical path it was just okay this you know this medication must not be working let's try this one um, let's try this one and there was no there's no gap in between adding all these different prescriptions and side effects just started getting worse and worse, let alone, you know, what I was really struggling with was getting worse and extremely scary time. And, you know, honestly, I didn't know if I was going to make it through the program. I didn't know if this was it. Like I just was trying to survive at that point. I was about halfway through the program. We were entering student clinic. Um, we had a reciprocal meeting, somebody that you work with in student clinic to kind of learn the flow. And so we were doing physical exams on each other. His name was Eric as well. And when he was doing his exam on me, he would shine a pen light in my eye, you know, and I almost went to the ground. Um, he would adjust using a toggle and I would feel like I had a concussion again. And I just, I was, this is when it started getting really scary. And he convinced, um, you know, the clinic docs at the time, you know, I think we should refer him out for some imaging. Like, he's, he went to bed at night, he's just like, I just, I just know there's something more that we're missing. And so then the clinic doc referred me for an MRI and found a tumor that was in my nasal passage pushing up into my brain. It was called a nasopharyngeal angiofibroma. And within two weeks, I had surgery taken out you know, extensive follow-up to clean everything out. And just, you know, instantly, you know, things went away and I became back the person that I was and was successful getting good grades again and able to be the chiropractor and the professor that I am today. So extremely grateful for that. Well, thank you. Uh, shout out to Eric, your um, reciprocal clinician for finding that out because if it wasn't for Eric, we might not, you know, we might not have uh, Dr. Parada on. Um, I actually have a, a interesting question. Um, this might be the fact that Dr. Fox has been harping about this kind of stuff every single class, but the um, when it came to the uh, to the tumor, I would like to hear your your opinion on why you might think it formed. Do you think it was due to the traumatic head injuries that you suffered in hockey, or do you think it was just one of those things that it was just a spurt of randomness? Yeah, speaking with the surgeon, um, his name is Dr. Edwards. Um, he said these type of tumors can develop, you know, in teenage years or in your early 20s, and they're just slow-growing tumors. Do I think maybe the head trauma had part to, part in doing that? Perhaps, maybe some other changes, but no real way to pinpoint how it started. But being slow-growing that's why it was so asymptomatic until it was pushing on some of those structures and then showing those symptoms. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, Doc, I want to ask you this because Mark was going to for this for me. My attention span is just 15 minutes, 20 at the most. If you don't get me by that, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, you're lying, bro. It's like five minutes on a good day. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying my best. Uh, no, but I'm just wondering, why are you just teaching? Because your squad is one of the ones that I can concentrate on. I get a deep well um what's the word guys help me like out like a deep understanding exactly thank you oh thanks for that um honestly I, it probably goes back to when i was little 
Um, I mean, early on, I think kindergarten, first grade, I was the kid chosen in Catholic school to do the readings in church or to dress up for the school plays. And I don't know if it was my personality, but acting and, you know, as a kid, I, w I was really loud, rambunctious, and just kind of in a leadership role, and that was just a part of me. Going through school here at Life, you know, looking at other teachers, I could, I could see myself doing that, but I wasn't sure. And then being in practice, it was at a turning point that we were either going to open another office or I was going to look to go somewhere else to do that. And sitting in a parking lot, eating lunch, I got a phone call from Dr. Dever saying that they were interested in me possibly teaching. And at the time, not being married, I just felt that that was the call, that this was a time to give it a shot. And um, boy, I'm glad I made that, made awesome. that move. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I kind of want to bounce off of that about teaching, since you since you're actually our first the first guest that's been both a current doctor, a professor, and a student here previously. How have you seen the school adapt since you were here as a yeah. student? Great question. Um, boy, the the landscape of Life University looks extremely different now than when I was a student. Um, you guys see the beautiful cafeteria. We had classes in that space and when it was a bingo hall. And it was an old bingo hall where they would hold <laughs> bingo during the weekend. It would still smell like smoke when we came in Monday. And I remember all my second quarter classes being in there. Um, student clinic was still student clinic. Outpatient was still outpatient. But the, the vibe and the amount of people has, has gone down, I think. It seems like it's, this has become more of a get in, get out. And the community of a sense of all the students as a whole, I don't see as more of now I see more pockets of students. I still see the passion for chiropractic, but I see the university as a whole being more segmented as when I was here in school. So would you say it's more of like we're transitioning, we're, we're kind of stuck in this limbo? Because I've, I, I have, I've been getting this vibe where I feel like half of the school, and it's almost like unspoken, is very medical model, like they're very traditionalized and they don't, they don't come from, they come from a different form of chiropractic. And then you have other students who believe in the quote unquote woo woo magic chiropractic. And then it's like you have these little niches within the niche. Would you say it's more so something like that or you just feel like it's very like clicky? I think what you touched on has always been here. And I think that that doesn't make Life University unique. I think if you would look at every chiropractic school, you're always going to have these what we call technique wars or kind of thing. You know, my myth is the best. And I, I think that exists across chiropractic, and I don't see that part changing. Um, I think it's a combination. Our undergrad programs have grown so much that now we are more of a university than a chiropractic college. Um, so I think we have such a diversity of students in ages and backgrounds and so I feel like this is kind of a transition period of what does life university really look like because it's hard sometimes for you know a chiropractic student to relate to an undergrad student so you're going to gravitate just to who you're around mm -hmm. and you know maybe it's I don't know what it's going to take to bridge that gap or to get a sense of just pure university pride again. If it's going to be our athletics, if it's going to be other community events, but that is something I would like to see get better in the future for us. I definitely want to um, want to touch on that as well and say like 
because coming from my undergrad i've seen we we usually all as as like a university we usually all speak to each other always around each other always doing stuff and then when i got here it kind of felt um in a way like you like kind of separated like everybody was in in their own group um which you know most people always had their own group but usually i feel like it uh like you said it needs to be more of a union people need to kind of you can bounce ideas off, off of each other as well mm -hmm. like by just speaking to somebody that's um even not even like-minded but different-minded you ain't got you don't have to like bash other people you can l listen to them and hear them out and they may end up changing your whole thought process <laughs> process on it or even opening up your eyes to other ideas and so i just want to say um yeah that's definitely something i've been thinking about so my question is you have been to like the whole phases you've been a student you've been a doctor you're now a teacher a professor i'm sorry uh what is your advice to future generation of like students that want to be a chiropractor they're committing to be a chiropractor hmm my advice to somebody that's considering being a chiropractor or wants to be a chiropractor is own that you want to do that. You, you got you to gotta want that enough and not just the idea of being a chiropractor. Um, I've, I've seen people, you know, it sounds good to be a chiropractor. You can be your own boss. You can make a lot of money, you know, but there's so much more to it. You gotta have chiropractic in your heart and own that and make it something that you want to do so bad that when you get beat up with a certain class or certain test or you have these life changes, that is so instilled to you that that's not questioning, that's not leaving you. You're gonna find a way to make you successful as being a chiropractor. I wanted to ask, uh, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Parada is our full spine teacher. But I wanted to know if in your practice you use another technique or you're just full spine? Um, so I would say the majority of my adjusting would be full spine and Gonstead. I would say probably 90% of how I adjust. Um, I do use other techniques. I do use Thompson's sometimes for the pelvis and sacrum. I do use SOT blocks when somebody is hurting and has an acute disc. I do use CBP as my rehab protocols with trying to restore curvature. I'm certified in TRT, so every once in a while you'll see me pull the integrator out. Um, but I also use the Arthrostim instrument, which is a vibration kind of adjusting tool. And I use that part to restore curvature or to use that with extremities. And so I kind of mix a bunch in, but you're mainly going to see me use full spine and gunstead adjustments. Awesome. I have a question kind of in regards to chiropractic as a whole, whether it's the practice, whether it's school, but where do you see the future of chiropractic? Because I kind of going back to what we were talking about as you being in this, you've almost kind of taken on like three positions in, in chiropractic that you've been able to see and observe the past, the present and the future generation. So like, where do you see the future of chiropractic coming because there's been a lot of like how you said there's been you have to be a specialist you have to you know own your area and i know in the past it wasn't like that it was kind of you know it was a very different yeah we've seen you know they talk about the mercedes 80s where there was the big insurance um, part of chiropractic and when that kind of mess hit the fan um, we started branching out more into these smaller private practices and, and getting more into these cash models, wellness plans, and, and I think that's what the balance of where we're at now 
because we're we're seeing the balance of cash offices versus still insurance or those integrated or PI clinics. In terms of the future, I, it may sound cliche, but I think it's now. I, I think this health pandemic is a turning point for our world, not even our country, not even chiropractic. Like this is extending throughout all of businesses. We hear this term, the great resignation with people quitting their jobs right now because they found no purpose and passion in what they were doing to now going into something that they always wanted to do. So while we're seeing all these people quitting their jobs in other areas, I see chiropractic growing like crazy. Students that have recently graduated and opened offices are doing extremely well out of the gate. Um, people are asking these questions from this pandemic and they're getting better educated now from students, from good chiropractors on that we are more than neck pain and back pain. We can improve health and immune function and I see the public gravitating to it. So I think right now is a great time to be in chiropractic. I think you explained that transitional period very well, better than any of us could have. Um, we also wanted to say that we know that you're going through a transitional period now that you recently uh, got married and are expecting a baby soon. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And uh, I definitely wanted to say congratulations yeah, as well. You. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> and I hope you're ready for the, uh, the terrible two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think my wife needs more of that more of the congratulations i wanted to ask you one last question um and this is more towards the um the athletic side um i wanted to ask about you know how you played hockey and how like this is more of a broad question but how does how does chiropractic fit in with the athletic side because a lot of people a lot of people just in general they see chiropractors adjust athletes all the time or and they don't really know what's going on there and like I just wanted to ask, like, what's the correlation on how to how to make an athlete better? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, kind of twofold. I I don't think I would be a chiropractor if I wasn't an athlete. Um, being an athlete, being around coaching, you know, having a strategy, wanting to be successful was easy to apply to chiropractic. And on in the other sense of being a chiropractor, working with athletes. You know, specifically hockey, it's all around the concussions right now. And what does a hockey player look like later in life? And that's something that I'm still fearful of as an adult. Um, having the history of concussions, you know, now raising a kid, being a husband, I don't want to be somebody in my 50s, 60s, 70s that all of a sudden those plaques develop in my brain and I have you know, an episode and become a shell of a person. So the more that we're finding out about research in neurology and how chiropractic can help with brain and improve neuroplasticity, I want hockey players to be adjusted. Especially, I want you evaluated if you had concussions because this isn't just about you staying on the ice and competing. This is about what does your life look like as an adult. And we see it with the NFL, and I think we can take that across multiple sports. I, I'm, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that you explained that the way you did. Um, I'm like 
I'm actually an athlete as well, and so I just wanted I just wanted to put some light on you know people being adjusted as an athlete, and that it can not only just make you a better athlete in general, but like you said, it could it could prepare you later on in life to be a great husband or a great wife or just a great person in general. And so I just want to say that was you explained it very very well. That was great. Um, but I do want to say we are missing one of our podcast members, uh, Ryan Morrison, guys. He he wasn't able to make it with us today. I just want to say, you know, uh, thank like I just want to thank him for always coming on and stuff like that. But I just want to thank you, like just in general, for being able to come on and talk on this podcast and just spread not only just knowledge but positivity towards chiropractic and just more like you. You brought so many like different thoughts and put different blueprints in uh, all of our heads, and so I just want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Yeah, thank you guys. It means a lot. Exactly. a lot. I I want to say one thing that I'm sure everybody here is thinking, but um, when we started this podcast and we were thinking of members of not members guests to bring on, you were one of the first names that came up, and I can very vividly remember that when i don't i think ken mentioned dr parada and we all were like oh heck yeah like that's that's that guy because if there's been just like don said if there's been any professor in this program who's sincerely motivated us and i know you might not even mean to do it but it's just your presence in our classes you give us that that clinical um knowledge and that experience and you show us that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that we're not taking fifty thousand anatomy classes and radiology classes and diagnosing classes and yada yada blah 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 it's like we can finally like we see the light at the end of the tunnel and it it's it's great it's fun it's exciting so um from the bottom of my heart thank you yeah, thank yeah. You guys. i also want to say thank you i've I feel like Dr. Prada is one of the most dedicated to the students and the profession. Uh, Dr. Prada has spent, with me myself, spent several weeks and a quarter in his off time just meeting, going over setups, going over techniques, and I appreciate that. And I know my patients or future patients are going to appreciate just the time that you put into us as students. So we, we want to say thank you. Man, guys, that's that's just about it for this podcast. I told you it was going to be action-packed and very, very good. So thank you guys for tuning in, and, and thank you for listening. Peace. See ya. See ya. Bye. Adios. Thank you. Buenas noches.